Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon and joining me as always, my good friend, NFL draft analyst, Ryan Roberts. Today, we're doing our next position ranking show. And today we're getting to wide receivers, another extremely deep position group. There are going to be a lot of guys that we're going to talk about today that are going to go all over the board somewhere on day two. And then potentially there's going to be a lot of guys that we don't even get to today that go in maybe even the middle of the second round, the end of the third round, early on day three that end up being quality players in the NFL. Ryan, this receiver class, there are just so many explosive quality names in this group. It's crazy. And I tweeted this out a while ago. I have... Where am I at? Nine guys with a top 50 grade or higher that I'd be willing to take somewhere in that range. Compared to last year where the class, it felt like we were reaching a little bit just to get some of those guys in the first round. This is night and day compared to last year. Well, we had a really crazy string before that of like just, it was like back to back to back, great classes. And then we had a little bit of a down year and then we're back, man. We really are. I mean, not only do you have the top of the class talents, I mean, I have just trying to look, Joe. I, I think I have, I think all five of my guys in my top five have first round grades. I mean, like it's, it's legitimately a really good year up top, but then the depth of this class is extremely interesting, man. Like we'll get into some of the names, especially because I'm going to assume it's just an assumption I'm making. I could be completely wrong on this one, but I think six through 10 on our list are going to be very different, like very different because yes, after, yes. after the top five, you kind of have those guys that are more projecting to be potential number one receivers on the next level. When you get to six through 10 and eight and down, that's where we're starting to talk about the secondary pass catchers, the auxiliary pass catchers, the guys that are more role players, really good number twos, potential number threes on the next level, the guys that are going to kind of round out the depth chart of a wide receiver group in general. And so I think that we're going to have a lot of diversity in that six Mm. through 10, but there's a lot of exciting traits to work with, even with that six through 10. So I'm excited to get into a little bit of a debate at some point here of like eight, nine and 10. I mean, because I think that's really where the debate comes in. I mean, we'll debate you know, maybe why, why we one guy has a wide receiver two compared to maybe a wide receiver three on someone else's board and like those types of, you know, back and forth. But overall, I think the six through 10 and lower is going to be a huge debate this year because it really just comes down to what's your flavor? Like, what are you looking for on day two and into day three in this class? Bet online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off your first deposit. That is a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm going to kick us off here with my 10 through 6, as we've done so far. My number 10, Xavier Worthy, Texas. Number 9, Lad McConkey from Georgia. Number 8, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. 
80 Mitchell from Texas, uh, number seven, and then number six, uh, Jalen Polk from Mm -hmm. Washington. Okay. So, wait, can you tell me your nine through 10 real quick? Sorry, I I blanked there for a second. Lad McConkey. Yes. Xavier Leggett, AD Mitchell, Jalen Polk. Okay. Xavier Leggett was an interesting one, just kind of working off your list for a second because I did not have him in my top 10. I think that the highs are easily in the top 10, but he's he's still a very raw football player. I mean, I, I think that yeah, we can probably yeah. agree on that one, right? Because he was a player that coming into the season was just a special teamer for South Carolina for years. And he was a great gunner, great special teamer. And then this year, it's, it's kind of that one-year wonder type of vibe there. And I'm still kind of looking for a little bit of the nuances with the route running, attacking the football more consistently in the air. Because when he attacks the ball in the air – and he's in a good like spot. He is really good above the rim. But then there's some times where I'm think I think he kind of mistimes his jump a little bit. Maybe he doesn't understand how to attack leverage at points. Xavier Leggett's a guy that I really wanted to get in the top ten, but he just is a little maddening at points for me. Mm. Just a little bit maddening. I want to throw this out there with Leggett, and I know this is an aggressive comp, but I, I get a lot okay. of similarities to DK Metcalf in the way that he's built okay. physically. I don't think he can really, he'll really truly get to DK Metcalf level of dominance, but he's this big bulked up receiver who vertically is probably going to test very well. He's not going to run in that four three range. What do you think he's going to run? What do you think he's going to run? I can see at the very least a low four five, which is a great number for him. He's a big, big bulky receiver. And I think that he, again, vertically, I love how strong he is. And that's why I I think I'm more bullish and why I see a lot of people being bullish on him is that the play strength. Play strength is so important at the next level for receivers, and it's something that is constantly overlooked. And it's a reason why I'm just going to say it. Troy Franklin did not make my top 10 because I don't love his play strength. And we'll get to that in a second because I think you have him in uh, your top 10. But Leggett, a big, strong, physical guy who's going to make a lot of great contested catches and then is fast enough to really pull away. But his change of direction, Uh that's where things not get hairy, but aren't as good as they could be. Sure. He's a little bit high legged, even though he's not as tall mm-hmm. as we once thought he might be. I mean, he measured in lower than six foot one, but like he is a dense dude. And I, Joe, I remember the one play at the senior bowl where I feel what corner he was playing against, but he was it was a back shoulder ball and he kind of elevated the back shoulder and made this sick catch. I just want the ball skills and the timing of his jumps to be a little bit more consistent on film because I think that when he does it well, he's a menace in the air, man. Like he's got really yeah. strong body just to win through contact and i was think that shows up in his ability after the catch as well like he's a guy that if you get him in space a little bit he can break some tackles he can make create some extra effort i like xavier Leggett, man again i wish i could have got him in the top 10 it's just i guess the year one impact is kind of what the downside is with xavier Leggett because i still think he needs a little bit of maturation to be that big time guy potentially my, my turn we do my turn now yes go ahead go ahead number 10 for me Troy Franklin, you mentioned him in Oregon already. You know, not going to go super in depth on him, but skinny, skinny as heck. But vertical elements, I like. I do like a decent amount. Malachi Corley, a guy that I ended up being higher on Joe than I in- initially anticipated out of Western Kentucky. Big, physical, dense after catch guy. Ad Mitchell for me came in at number seven. He is that long striding outside receiver out of Texas. Jalen Polk was number six for me. Guy that I. I'm sorry, was seven for me. Sorry, A.D. Mitchell was eight. My apologies. Rewind for okay. a second. A.D. Mitchell was eight. Number seven was Jalen Polk. I liked him a lot. I, he's a guy that I hadn't watched until recently, 
but he's a really explosive athlete in short areas. I, I think the long speed is a little bit over-exaggerated for him to a degree based upon some people that I've talked about, but I really do like him in short bursts, man. I think that he is, gets to top speed very, very quickly. can do some stuff after the catch. Pretty good route runner, too. I mean, deceptive route runner as well. So I do like Jalen Polk a lot. And then number six for me, man, the guy that was on your list, but I'm a little bit higher than, Lad McConkie from Georgia. A little diminutive slot that I think offers a little bit of outside versatility as well. See, the funniest thing, I think, when yes. we – you talked about how it was going to be potentially very different. Um, guys nine through six for me all have the same grade. So like, I, I don't have any disagreement here because like we could just right. shuffle these guys around and they could get picked in any order based on what a team's needs are. I really quickly want to just talk about Troy Franklin because a lot of people are going to be like, how the heck do you not have, have him in your top 10? There's a lot of really right. good receivers. I have him at 12. I don't think that's an unreasonable place to put him. My okay. quick reasoning, and I think you can agree with this. Very lean frame, no play strength, very little play strength. So he mm-hmm. is a great vertical accelerator. He's a pretty good route runner. His change of direction, it, it, it's competent and it's, it's good. He's going to be a great separator. He is going to be somebody that can kill you over the top. He is going to run away from guys when he has a little bit of space. But my problem is, is that there is no ability for him to come up and make contested catches. And he feels like a guy who is not short area quick enough because he's so long to mm-hmm. evade tacklers and he's not strong enough to break tackles. And I look at a guy and I know there's going to be some people that bring up the fact that I had Xavier Worthy over him. Xavier Worthy is smaller and much more yeah. short area quick that I know at the least if he's not going to physically break a tackle, he is going to yeah. be able to juke somebody out, get in and out with his quick feet and create separation. I just am a little wary at times when we when we have these guys that were extremely productive in college that played in very advantageous offenses that set them up to have easy separation, that that does not always translate to the NFL. Could he be a really good number two or number three receiver? Totally. Do I think he's going to be an elite number one receiver? I think that's less likely than the latter. Sure. I, I, I don't really think that we see Troy Franklin differently. Can I can I comment real quick on yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Xavier Worthy? Because I would like to say go something ahead. about Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy terrifies me, Joe. Terrifies me, man. That dude's hands are cheeks. Like, he uh, cannot catch the football consistently, man. And when comparing him to Troy Franklin, I do think that they have some of the same deficiencies. But the difference is that I think Troy Franklin's going to be like an inch and a half taller, right? Which is a little bit of a difference because I think the best things about Troy is I think Troy tracks the ball well down the field. I think he is good speed and deceptive speed down the field. And I also think that he has good body control working down the field as well. I agree, though, in the sense, sense of – He's not going to consistently work through contact press at the line of scrimmage. I think is going to be tough at times. I think he's has some pretty good releases off the line. So I think and I don't, I'm not super worried about it, but I do think that the play strength is an issue, which is why he was only number nine on my list, right? When we're mm-hmm. so, I'm still talking about a second round secondary option of a wide receiver. I don't see him as a wide receiver one on the next level. I see him as a potentially good number two or dynamite number three. Like I think that he has that potential to him. All right, I'm going to roll us in here to my number five, Roma Dunze, Washington wide receiver, have a first-round grade on him. We're talking about a guy that is tall. He's got a nice filled-out frame. He is a a, a strong player. He is a guy that I'd love to call on in contested catch situations, and it, it, it felt like whenever Michael Penix Jr. needed to find somebody, and even if he was blanketed by a receiver, he was able to jump, grab the ball out of the air and come down with it. 
he is also a really dangerous vertical threat. I feel like he yeah. checks a lot of the boxes that I'm looking for in a modern receiver in the NFL. Adunze, for me, is going to be a really good wide receiver one or just at least a quality wide receiver one in the NFL. And I would take him anywhere in the first round. Maybe not top 10. I wouldn't go that far. But I would willingly take Roman Dunze anywhere in the first round. I thought I was going to be the outlier here, Joe, because I had him at number five as well. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be listening to us and say he's going top 10 to top 15 most likely in this draft. And I would agree. I think I think he will. I think he's going to go top 15. I think that he could be the third wide receiver off the board after probably the two guys that we have probably top two in this class. Adunze, for me, I echo a lot of the same things that you said in terms of the kid is long, tall, and fast. And those things, that's great. It's a great baseline to have. He can win down the football field. I think that he has pretty good ball skills in the air. I wish that he would consistently play a little bigger than he does at times because he's a big dude, man. Like he is 6'3", 217 pounds. He is a big, dense receiver, Joe, but I don't think he uses his play strength all the time, man. There's just mm. sometimes where I'm just like, brother, like you could be a little bit more aggressive at the catch point. You could finish through contact a little bit more consistently. It's not there all the time. And I was thinking that his, his style is a little frantic for me. Like there's a lot of arms going everywhere. There's a little bit of legginess, like, but he is still a very good player for his size getting in and out of breaks in my opinion i think there's upside as a route runner and i think he's got dynamite skills as a vertical threat so i like aroma dunze i do not think that he is the foregone day one contributor that a couple of these other guys are in this class and i don't yeah. think he has as much upside as, as another player that i'll talk about in a little bit here but he definitely has a lot of tools that you really like. I just want him to be a little bit more consistent working in the air and through contact. And I want him to be a little bit more controlled with his movements. Cause man, he's a little bit of a, it's like a deer in the headlights at times, sometimes running routes, man, where I'm just like, hey, buddy, settle down a little bit. Like, you're all right. You're good. But I, I still do like Rome for all those instances. And uh, yeah, man, he brings a really nice profile to the table. That's exciting. So we both have the same number five. I'm going to throw Correct. out my number four here. Brian Thomas Jr. Are you from LSU. Me, Do we have the same number me? four also? Nah, man. He was like number 13 on my list. Just kidding. Yeah, he's number four. Yeah, I was, okay. was going to say, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Thomas Jr., though, six foot four, two hundred five. 205. I need to see this guy run at the combine because I think that his 40 time, we're going to go, holy hell, what did we just see? He stupid. is... He is so vertically explosive. He is the guy that you want to take top off of a defense. Um, just a fluid, easy athlete. And the way that he took this next step this year makes me excited about what he can do once he has some time in an NFL offense with some NFL coaching, how much better he could get. I feel like we're not even close to the potential ceiling with a guy like Brian Thomas Jr., the only thing and the only caveat I had with him is just I didn't love his play strength and contested catch situations. I feel like he disappeared in those spots. Those are the only areas that he didn't necessarily excel, which at 205, yeah. I don't necessarily think that he needs to be dominant in those situations, but everything else that he does well, which is uh, quick acceleration out of cuts, uh, great separation over the top, all of those things are going to make him a dangerous deep threat and just a dangerous receiver in the NFL. The two biggest things that hold Brian Thomas back from an evaluation perspective for me right now, two biggest things. I have a number four mm. as well. 
very high on Brian Thomas Jr. I think he's going to go top 15, if not top 20. I think that he's going to go very early in this class, especially after he runs at the combine. But the two biggest things, Joe, one that always gives me just a little bit of hesitation, naturally, I think most people do, are the same way this way. One-year production, right? We're talking about a kid yeah. that is 6'4", 205, probably going to run the four threes and going to jump out of the gym, and yet he was only productive one year at LSU, okay? So that's like a, a, a slight red flag. Why is that? Why was that the case, right? We need to figure that out. Number two, LSU didn't ask much of him from a route-running diversity yeah. perspective, right? Like he ran goes, he ran comebacks, he ran hitches. That's basically all he ran, right? He was a pure vertical player. Now, I'm not as worried about that because you hit on something that I think you're absolutely right on. He's very flexible in and out of his like hip mobility is good. He's really good in and out of his breaks. I think that there is route running upside there. Now it is a little bit of a projection, but I look at his traits and his physical profile and I say he can get better in that area. He has upside in that area to be a good route runner on the next level. But ultimately, you just don't see a lot of guys walking around like this, Joe. Like you just don't no. see it. Six four two oh five, gonna run probably in the mid four threes. Like I my number's four three five. Like I think that he could run right around four three five. Man, that kid is a blazer. I've been told he's a little bit lackadaisical as far as like his his personality and, and maybe you know he's a little guy that needs to get urged on to be you know really put forth a great effort all the time and that type of stuff, right? But ultimately I'm betting on those traits, man. It might burn me in the end. It's always possible. He's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a volatile player. Like he's probably the most boomer bust player in this top five, in my oh, opinion, yeah. because it's only one year of maturation and he still has room to grow. But dang, if he hits, man, I would argue he could be the best receiver in this class. I mean, it's possible. It is not outlandish to say that because this kid is one of those wide receivers that are just made on a different uh, different planet, man. This kid's physical profile, athletic profile is outrageous. I would argue, though, that his inability to get onto the field and contribute more was slightly impacted by there just being a, a, it being a crowded room. It is historically LSU, no matter who the coach is, there's a lot of local receivers that play there. And, and like we know Keishon Butte, who didn't live up to expectations, was there um, and betting <laughs> uh, and gambling but, but even, his ass off. When, but even when, but, even when Boutte was Booty in 2022, he still couldn't get any playing time, really. He had like 20-something catches true, that year. True. So, That's true. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that our, our whole top fives are identical. Malik Neighbors is number three for me, Ryan. Um, the other LSU wide receiver. Very different players. It's it, Very, very different. There is no similarity and I think that he has uh, some uniqueness amongst the the trees, if you will, of all these tall guys that we're going to be talking about in the top fives here. He is so fluid and easy as a route runner. I love how he barely loses any speed. And that is where he is going to be so deadly uh, in the NFL is that he is very fast and he's just going to make these really yeah. quick transitions on his routes. Somebody who I know I can call upon to run a very diverse route tree because he is a very clean, quick cutter. The thing I love about a guy like Malik Neighbors is the impact that he provides after the catch. That is like the first thing that I write down every single time that I've done a mock draft or I've been asked about him is the yak ability. He catches the football and he is going to kill you. He is going to find lanes almost like a running back in a way the way he is able to just create more space, create more yardage, very shifty, quick, explosive player that is going to be 
um, just a, a, a chunk gainer in the NFL. I think, and I don't think it's it's crazy to say, and it's lazy because they're the same school, but the Odell Beckham Jr. comps are going to come out with a guy like Malik Neighbors, and I think it's realistic. The hands maybe are not the same because Odell had an insane catch that we all know that put him in a completely different category, but Malik Neighbors, the play style, the, phys- the, the physical traits, the build reminds me a bit of Odell Beckham Jr. So here's the only difference in our top fives, Joe. I have Malik Neighbors at number two. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah. So do you want me to talk about neighbors now or do you want me to go to my number three? Okay. So flow. Got it. Flow. Got it. Malik neighbors guy. He reminds me of Joe. He's taller than this player, but the play style I think is mirror one another. Steve Smith, who Hmm. was people forget when he was coming out of Utah, that dude was a blur, man. Explosive as heck. Ran in the four threes. He was incredibly. He was that guy that you gave him eight. He would turn it to 20. You gave him 20, he would turn into a touchdown. Like he was one of those those extra effort players based upon his explosiveness. I still have absolute nightmares of Steve Smith playing against the Rams in the super in the playoffs the one year with Jake DeLome as his quarterback, where he caught a skinny post in overtime. He absolutely wrecked Jason Seahorn's angle play, coming from safety. And man, it was just house call. And that and the but the thing that made Steve Smith special, in my opinion, was not that fact. That made him really, really good. What made him special was that he was he was for a guy that was probably about five ten. He was crazy at the catch point, man. Like could just out leverage guys down the field and was super physical. That's what I think makes Malik Neighbors special. Is yes, you are correct. Malik Neighbors is very flexible in and out of breaks. Great hit mobility, explosive in short areas, can also run, has vertical speed to be able to take the top off. But what makes Malik Neighbors different, in my opinion? is that he also has that physical profile to win down the field, win contested catches. That was the best catch. Literally, the first game I watched from him, when I, I think it was in the 2022 season, I feel what game it was against, Joe, but he made a contested catch in the end zone where I was like, who the heck's that kid? Like, who's number eight, mm-hmm. right? But then you look at him, and you're like, he's only six foot, and in reality, he's probably 5'11 in some change, and he's able to win through contact like that. Like, that's special, man. So Malik Neighbors ended up being number two for me because I went back and watched a couple more games at the end of the season, the last three or four weeks, and the kid's worth all the billing, man. He is a top 10 pick in this draft, in my opinion, and he's a very safe player in that instance as well because he is a guy that, although he's not going to be the biggest dude in the world, he's probably going to be 5'11 and a half, 195 pounds, maybe 200 pounds, somewhere in that ballpark. He could play inside, outside. Like You can put him up. As a Z, you could put him in the slot. I mean, wherever you want to put him, he can be a dynamic weapon. So he ends up with number two for me because, Joe, number three, guy that I've been high on for a very long time, and I know you're high on, and I'm sure he's number two on your list, barring some weird setback here. Keon Coleman, wide receiver from Florida State. Look, guys, I understand the concern, and there are some, right? He isn't the most – he isn't the, the, the best separator in this class. He isn't a guy – that you look at and say, you know, instant separation in and out of breaks. And and that's how he, you know, he's a diverse route runner, but I do think he's a lot more underrated out of his cuts than I think people give him credit for. I think he has potential as a route runner on the next level, but at the end of the day, I'm drafting, I'm drafting Keon Coleman in the top 10 to 15 because that kid is a freak show athletes, six, four, two I think he's going to run four, four high as, as a, as a six foot, a uh, six foot four athlete can really move and buddy 
His hands and ball skills are phenomenal. And by the way, Florida State, formerly a Michigan State transfer, by the way, Florida State's Joe at times was just like, hey, man, we're struggling getting the ball down the field right now. We're just going to throw you bubble screens. We're just going to get the ball in space for you and let you work. And as a 6'4", 215-pound guy, that's uncommon, man. Like, you don't see that a ton. So I am bought in to Keon Coleman. I think that if he is developed properly at the next level, because he is one of the guys in the top five that need does need coaching, does need development. But if he hits, he has superstar potential, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing that I've seen brought up a lot, and I think a lot of people don't really understand how separation factors in with receivers, where you don't always need to be the guy that creates a ton of space. A guy like Keon Coleman, who is going to be a great athlete and is going to test like a great athlete, he's probably going to run in the four fours, four fives. Like he is that linearly that explosive. He's going to jump really well, all that stuff. He doesn't need to separate as well because he is the strongest and the best contested catcher in the class. He is a box out machine. And I said a million years ago, this is a power forward. This is throw him the jump ball and he's going to come down and make a play. He's going to go get the rebound for you. Yep. He maybe isn't going to be a guy in the NFL that is going to be a 1,500-yard-plus receiver. It's, it's possible that he's not going to be a high-volume yardage guy. But do I think that this is a player who is going to be high-volume in touchdowns? Absolutely. He, this is somebody that you want to have in the red zone in a one-on-one -on -one situation, fade route to the back of the end zone. I know who's coming down with the football. If it is yep. third and seven and I'm throwing the ball to the sideline and I've got two minutes to go and I need to get out of bounds, I'm throwing the ball to Keon Coleman and I know that he's going to come down with the football. The sure-handedness, mm -hmm. the power, the strength, the physicality, that is what makes this guy unique. And again, as, as we've said before and a lot of people have done throughout the cycle already with him and, and really, I, not only have I seen him been pushed down, but like he has been shoved down some of these boards outside of top tens. He is in a completely different category in terms of play style that deservedly makes him unique enough to be the number two receiver in the class. There is nobody else that is going to be as good as a contested catcher as him. And I think that some people just don't realize that there is so much importance in having a guy like this on your roster in yep. the NFL. There's not a lot of guys even in the NFL that can do stuff like this. There's a reason why Drake London went as early as he did. His production hasn't been good because there haven't been any good quarterbacks. So anyone who wants to say, if I'm comparing the two of them, Keon Coleman and Drake London, it's a bad comp because Drake London hasn't mm -hmm. been good. The guy hasn't had anyone throwing to him. So at the end of the day, we need to acknowledge here that this ability to come down with the football the way that Keon Coleman can is going to be a massive asset in the right offense, on the right team. And if he slides a little bit and goes to a team with a better quarterback situation, y'all are going to be regret, regret regretting <laughs> not wanting to take him earlier. Well, and I would add this simple fact that we always hear the word separation and it's always a one note conversation because people just think of it as route running, right? But there are different types of ability to create separation. And you mentioned one of them, Joe, I, there's, you can separate as a route runner. You can separate as an athlete, just being faster and more explosive than a, the player that's covering you. And you could also separate in the air. Let's not just quickly discount Keon Coleman's ability to win in the air because a lot of players don't have that ability. I mean, we just mentioned a couple guys on this list that have no ability to separate in the air. Keon Coleman as a former high-level basketball prospect as well coming out of high school. 
I think that he brings that to the table without question, brings the explosiveness to the table without question. And if he gets with a good coach, I think the route running can take a step forward, and I think that he can become a more well-rounded wide receiver on the next level. It's just about patience, and it's about him being able to hone in on the finer points of playing the wide receiver position because the tools are certainly there. All right, number one on both of our boards, Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay, shut Shut up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, 6'4", 205. This guy is, is rare. This is a rare athlete playing the position. Vertical speed, change of direction, his hands, every single box is checked with a guy in Marvin Harrison Jr. I am so sick of seeing people coming on Twitter and saying, would we rank Marvin Harrison Jr.? as high as we are as the number one receiver and as a top five pick, uh, if his name wasn't Marvin Harrison. No, no, I don't pick? care. Yeah, right. I, it, it has to be brought up, Ryan, because we're going to post this and I'm going to post my rankings and I'm going to have a bunch of dipshits coming in and commenting this. It has nothing to do with his name. Nothing. All of these people that say this have a bias against the kid for whatever reason. It, it, it is so unbelievably stupid. Shut the hell up. I'm so tired of it. If you tell me that you really think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is not heads above the rest of the receivers that we've seen in a long time coming out of the NFL, you didn't watch him. You didn't. You're just saying that because you want to be critical of him and push your own agenda because you want Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas Jr. to be ranked ahead of him. And the same goddamn thing happened during the, the Heisman conversation. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a rare athlete for the position and is going to be an elite player in the NFL. Shut the hell up. Rank him number one. Take him in the top five and don't look back. Joe's fired up, man. I respect it. Yes, it it pisses me off. I get it, man. I get it. Trust me. He is the cleanest wide receiver prospect in this year's class. He's arguably the cleanest prospect in general in this year's class. Like it's him, Joe Alt are probably the two where I'm just like, guys, like, what are we doing, man? Because those bloodlines do matter. I mean, we can we can say, you know, oh, it's it's nepotism if people want to kind of make that claim or whatever, but like the DNA matters. It does because he has an attention to detail as a route runner, which I think you can give a lot of credit to his father, Marvin Harrison, who was a great route runner in his own rights, right? Like he's grown up, he's perfected the craft. He has been a player that has obviously worked incredibly hard at his game day in and day out perspective because he does the little things really well. Like he out leverages well in the, in the passing game. He gets to spots incredibly well. He elevates with great timing. He runs routes exceptionally well, gets in and out of breaks, all the little parts of playing the wide receiver position. He does very well, but I think also Marvin Harrison senior Joe was six foot, 188 pounds. Like he was not a big, completely guy, different right? players. We're, we're, we're talking about a guy that has the route running chops and the, and the nuance of his father, but we're talking about a kid that's now in a six foot four, 205 pound frame, right? Which is a much different animal. And I mean, truthfully, he's probably six, three in some change, but either way, he is a long athletic kid. Who's got pretty good long speed. I think it's good long speed. I'd say it's probably mid four fours, four, four high somewhere in that ballpark. He can run. And he's incredibly good understanding how to contort his body down the football field, make back shoulder grabs, finish through contact, the, the, the whole package, man. I mean, literally, 
the the one thing I would say is a negative on him, which is such such an air quotes here, is that I don't think he's a dynamic after catch player. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this before. Like I don't care though. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. to be for him to be a yak threat. I'm drafting him to be my number one boundary wide receiver and to be able to win at the line of scrimmage, contested catches, one on ones, be able to win those matchups. And Marvin Harrison Jr. does that as well as anyone that we've seen over the last couple of years. Probably the best one-on-one pass catcher that we've seen in a draft since Jamar Chase. And they were very different players, but they were dominant in the ways that they won in one-on-one situations. So, yes, I agree. Don't overthink Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to be a top four pick in this draft. He is a very, very good football player. I also just a really final thought here on that really dumb discourse that happens. We spent, and we're still doing it, Everyone's been geeking out over Brandon Rice Jr. Everyone, and I haven't heard once, once, I haven't seen anywhere, anyone bring up, well, if his father wasn't Jerry Rice, would we be having this conversation? No, everybody's just losing their mind over this kid running seven to eight second routes at the Senior Bowl and making contested catches over really short wide receivers or uh, cornerbacks that wouldn't typically be guarding them. The guy's a day three pick, and he's not going to end up being as as impactful as you think he's going to be. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a f- top five pick. Let's just just stop with the hypocrisy. And if somebody if somebody comes in on Twitter and says that, I'm going to immediately jump to, well, you guys freaked out over Brendan Rice Jr. or Brendan Rice or whatever the heck his name is. Stop the nonsense, Marvin Harrison Jr. Rice Jr. <laughs> he's got a. a He's got his own son too. Um, if you had to give a comment or a comp, I mean, for Marvin Harrison Jr., do you have one? Not one that I really like. I've seen AJ Green thrown out there by some people, but I think he's a little bit more flexible than AJ as far as route running perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't, man. I, I don't have a great comp for him because he's very unique. Like you don't see six foot four, two hundred five pound guys that are route runners. Like you just don't usually see that. It's kind of a rare thing to have. So no real great comp, which I think is the ultimate compliment to a football player when there's not an easy it's two ways joe when there's not an easy comp two ways one is the guy's just so weird that you're just like dude i don't know what the heck to even comp this guy to it doesn't make any sense but the other part is what i'm talking about with marvin harrison jr is he's so physically well-rounded and gifted that he's kind of a rare football player in those instances rare rare players are harder to comp to because there's just not a ton of rare players that come around every day well, that's a fun note to wrap us up on at Joe DeLeo and at Rise and Draft. Hit that subscribe button and also drop a comment. Let us know who we might have missed, how you would rank your wide receivers. Let us know below and we'll be back with more later on this week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.